life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But then things change and you're down in the valley don't lose faith for you're never alone for the God on the mountain he's still God in the valley when things go wrong he'll make them right and the God of the good times he's still God of the dead, He's still God in the night. You talk of faith when you're up on the mountain. Oh, and the talk comes so easy, cause life's at its best, but it's down in the valley. The trials and temptations That's when your faith is Really put to the test For the God on the mountain He's still God in the valley When things go wrong You know He'll make them Savior for saving a 
in your service to the Lord. Not only in your service to the Lord, but as you live your everyday life, that it would help you to be a better Christian uh, in which you are now. Folks, I'm telling you, we have not arrived. Amen. Uh, I, I can honestly say here, and I believe everybody within the sound of my voice should be able to say, we have not arrived. We are not the best that we can be. We all make mistakes. We all goof up. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that's what makes His grace and His mercy that much even more better. Amen. Amen. And even more real. And uh, Wednesday night, we, we preached on the church just a little while. We talked about the plan of the church, and that's to evangelize and to, to educate and to, uh, to edify or lift one another up and comfort one another. That's the plan of the church. And we talked about the promise of the church. And the scripture we used was Matthew sixteen eighteen. I say unto you, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Folks, I'm here to tell you, Satan... Satan may cripple the church, but he can't destroy it. Uh, uh, Satan may confuse the church, but he cannot destroy it. Satan may come against you, but he cannot destroy you. You give him about all the power that he can have uh, because he has to have permission to come through the blood uh, to come and attack you. Uh, uh, Satan may at times contaminate the church, but he cannot destroy it. And we have to come to the realization tonight that we do not wrestle against flesh or blood, uh, but we wrestle against powers and principalities in dark places. Those that are of the devil. That's who we battle against today. My neighbor is not my enemy tonight. Uh, the devil's my enemy. Huh? I've got a, listen, I've got, I've got a little quaint home and, 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 and we try to keep it up and we try to keep it clean and we try to keep the yard cut and mowed. And, but if you look to my right, them neighbors don't never cut their grass and there's junky cars on over there. And you look to the left and they never cut their grass and they've never owned a weed eater as long as they've lived there. And you know, that kind of aggravates you sometimes. But you know, those people are not my enemy. The devil is my enemy because sometimes I get in the flesh and want to go over there and knock on the door and say, well listen, before I tell you about Jesus one more time, let me tell you where you can buy a weed eater, you know. Uh, but those people are not my enemy. The, the devil is my enemy and he'll put those kind of things uh, uh, in your mind. What are the problems with the church? We covered those Wednesday night. Many of churches have problems with cults that infiltrate. Uh, they have problems with confusion. They have trouble with carnality. In other words, a carnal person and which is against God. Because if you're not for God, you are against God. A complacency. I believe every Christian goes through a point in their life in which they are complacent in serving the Lord. But I'm here to tell you folks, it's not a time for us to be indifferent. It's not a time for us to be unconcerned or unconnected with the brethren and especially with the Lord. And we talked about the perfection of the church in which we talked about the cleansing of the church, the consecration of the church, and the concern of the church. But we're going to take it a little further tonight and we're going to go over into 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse number 10. If you're able, I ask you to stand in the reverence of the reading of God's Word and prayer for the message tonight. We all need to remember this question. I appreciate the good songs of Zion. I love that God on the mountain. I, I just felt it in my spirit tonight to get Josh to sing that. I said, brother, sing that. And uh, boy, I tell you what, it blesses my heart when he does. And then, of course, meet me at Jesus' feet. That's another good one. Amen. Amen. I tell you, that's where we ought to be tonight. At the feet of Jesus. Amen. Soaking in every little bit that we can soak in tonight. Amen. Amen. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10. If you don't get anything out of the message tonight, I pray that you get this scripture. For we, he's talking to the church at Corinth. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Father in heaven, God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you for what we felt here in this place, the good songs of testi- uh, songs of Zion, the good testimony that's been shared. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll give us help from heaven. I pray that you'll loose these lips and let it go, God. I pray that as we could preach the word of God tonight, you'd anoint everything that is said and done. And may we all realize that there is going to be a Christian judgment one day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated tonight. A lot of people don't believe that we're going to have to stand before God even as Christians and be judged. But I'm here to tell you the Word of God tells us different. We're all going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we're all going to be judged. Now I have tried my best to find where this judgment may be taking place. For some reason, I believe it's going to be outside the realm of heaven maybe because, uh, listen, it's going to be a bad day for you and I when we stand before the Lord. I'll be honest with you, as uh, as our failures have showed and, and as our uh, lack of concern comes about and uh, sins show up in our life that maybe we didn't ask for forgiveness for or the things that we shouldn't have done and we didn't do in our disobedience unto God, there is not going to be a general judgment for everyone. Uh, the Bible teaches you and I there's going to be uh, the judgment seat of Christ. That is for the Christian. That's for those that are saved. Uh, we're going to have to stand before God. God and I give account for what we have done and what we have not done. There's also going to be the great white throne judgment. That's the one that you as a Christian do, or you as a person do not want to be there because that means you're lost. That's where the lost go to be judged. It is called the great white throne judgment. But I want you to understand and know tonight that every Christian is going to be judged and is going to stand before the almighty God of heaven. We'll be judged for what we do what we fail to do and Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and along about verse 28 that we should examine ourselves and do it often. And I believe as a duty as your God called pastor tonight, we have to bring it to our attention to where we can examine ourselves. Where we can look upon our lives and see where we stand. For I believe the more we examine ourselves, the less Christ will have to judge us for. Because I believe we won't fall into those doldrums in which we'll have to be judged one day. And all want to go to heaven, but everyone don't want to stand before Christ and give account. It's not going to be a pleasant thing when you think about it. Well, what are we going to be judged by? Well, I believe our character is going to be judged. In other words, our attitudes, if you will, Proverbs 23 and 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our thoughts and our feelings control us today. Your attitudes will make you a success Or a failure. Attitudes. A lot of times if you've got a rotten attitude, you're going to have a rotten testimony. If you've got a rotten attitude, you'll probably have a rotten ministry. And folks, we have to try to keep our attitudes in check every once in a while. And all the time, really, we ought to keep our attitudes in check. Because people are looking at your life. 
People are looking at who you represent. And if we throw our head up in the air and our nose up so far that it, when it rains that we're about drowned and we've got this pompous attitude that we're the greatest thing that God ever give greens earth, you know, God's ever give the green earth, we're all going to be set up to fail in this life in which we live. And I feel like it is our duty and it is our, 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 our aim tonight to assure that we keep our attitudes in check. A lot of times uh, well, we have uh, wrong attitudes. A lot of times we get in those moods and our attitudes show. Uh, listen, I'm here to tell you we've all been guilty. We've all been there. But according to the Word of God, for as He thinketh in His heart, so He is. We will be judged by our attitudes. But not only our attitudes, I believe we'll be judged by our actions tonight. Uh, Galatians 5.16 This I say and then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, if you're living in the Spirit, uh, you will be able to make your actions to be different. We must live in the Spirit daily and we must walk in the Spirit of the Lord daily because when the Spirit of God is resting upon your life, you will act differently. We will react differently to certain situations that come about in our lives. And folks, that is a key tonight because I'm telling you, I've seen Christians in my lifetime that have had some rotten actions. Along with their rotten attitudes, there comes rotten actions and then you have rotten appetites. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Scripture tells us in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be A hunger for God will change your character. A hunger for the Lord will fill us. And if we're hungry for spiritual things, our appetite, our actions, and our attitudes will show it. Listen, I'd want to be in no other place tonight but the living, breathing house of God. Where I could be around God-filled people where the Spirit of the Lord will move in the singing and where God will speak to people during the preaching. That's where I want to be. I want to be around God's people. But there's something wrong if you claim to be a Christian and nobody wants to be around you. Mm. Character. Our character is going to be judged. Our attitudes, our actions, our appetites. But listen... Our affections are going to be judged. I know I'm covering a lot of Scripture tonight, but I wanted to to read these to you because it's proof of what I'm preaching to you. As the old man said, there's proof in the pudding. Amen. Amen. There's proof in His Word tonight. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. This gives us some good Scripture tonight on the way we should live and the affections that we should have. It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. How more plain can he be? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. 
Loving the world shows a lack of love for the things of God. When we go out and we love the things of the world more than we love the things of God, we need to take a spiritual checkup tonight because I'm here to tell you that's not the way that it's supposed to be. We ought to love the brethren. We ought to love the church. We ought to love the Word. We ought to love the time of prayer that we can have. Thank God we ought to love that God on the mountain that's been sung about today. We ought to love that, amen, and not those things of this world. Those things of the world, I don't think I have to describe those to you. I believe we know what the things of the world are. And loving those things of the world will show a lack of the love of the things of God. I believe we're going to be judged in our character about our ambitions. What is your ambition tonight? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. In other words, when I go on my daily path with the Lord, I want to seek Him out. Lord, what shall I do today? Who shall I go visit with today? God, who needs a helping hand today? Lord, I want to spend some time with you this morning and get in your prayer closet and get on your knees before God and begin to pray and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help you in whatever your need may be. What are your ambitions? Amen. What are your ambitions spiritually in your life? Are you out to please your husband? Are you out to please your wife? Who are you wanting to please? Are you wanting to please God? That's what I want to ask you tonight. Listen, it don't matter if you please me or not. It matters if you please the one in heaven who's given us the very breath to breathe tonight. And my friend, if we can please him, everything's going to be alright. Amen. What is your ambition in life? I believe as the days grow older and as we grow older together things are going to get worse in the minds of people. In the world in which we live, folks, it's going to get more ugly each and every day in which we live. There's nothing we can do about it. It's in the Scripture. Perilous times are going to come. Bad times are going to come. We think they're bad now. You just wait about five to ten years from now and you see how bad things really get. Ambitions. What is your ambition? Uh, You've heard us mention the name D.J. Stanley a lot. And uh, he goes to the First Freewood Baptist Church across from Tennessee. And uh, he's a gracious man. When I started going to the meetings up there and been up there to preach and so far, uh, he always had my seat. He saved my seat. He's a servant, Joe. He's a servant. That's all he wanted to do is just serve the Lord. And he'd have my place, you know, there on the front pew. It didn't matter what time I come in. If I come in uh, five minutes before service and there'd be four to six hundred people in there, uh, he'd have my seat saved right there on the front row because he knows that's where I wanted to sit. Brother Joe, I think he even had your seat saved uh, when we went up there the last time. DJ was just diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. He's only like 47 years old. And if you've ever seen anybody die with Lou Gehrig's disease, it's an awful sight. You lose function of all of your mobility. You don't have any muscle movements at all. And it comes to a point in a time where you can't swallow anything. Uh, they could completely cut you off of being fed by the mouth because you will choke to death. You'll die. And then you're just basically turned into a vegetable and you're laying there in the bed and you're just waiting for the process of death to come by. And you're basically uh, there just uh, awaiting for the Lord to come and get you. 
But D.J. Stanley's been praying and he's been asking God to help him. A lot of us have been praying for him. And a lot of people have been anointed for him. And he's been anointed. But boy, he'll go around to the revival services now. His ambitions have changed just a little bit. Now, he's always loved the souls of men. He's never been a preacher. He's just been a good worker in the church. But his ambitions have changed. Everywhere he goes, if he walks into a hotel room, he's asking people, where will you spend eternity? He walks into a restaurant. He's talking to the waitress uh, where are you going to go when you die see his ambitions have changed uh, because he knows if God doesn't perform a miracle in his life uh, his days are short uh, and his days are numbered but my friend I'm here to tell you God has given him a different ambition in his life uh, uh, that he wants to go out and win souls to Christ but why wait till we're stricken down with a disease to do it Uh, why can't we do it while we're well uh, where we can get it done Uh, we don't want anybody to have pity on us tonight. We just want to win souls to Christ. People don't want to hear about Jesus in the days in which we live. They could care less about the church. They could care less about the church house. They could care less about God. But I'm here to tell you folks, one day the Bible says every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that He is Lord. Ambitions. Not only judgment in our character, but number two, we're going to have judgment of our conversation. Judgment of our conversation. What do you mean? I believe that means our thoughts for one. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2.5, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. As Christians, we should have the mind of Christ. For thinking bad is just as evil as doing bad. Anybody believe that? What does the Bible say? If you look upon another to lust after, I'm I'm paraphrasing, you look upon that one to lust after in your heart and in your mind, you've done committed it already. You've committed adultery already. Listen, our thought life, folks, is, is going to be judged. There's evil things that goes through our minds sometimes that may never come to the forefront, Brother Joe. There's evil things that come through our mind, Preacher John, that we wouldn't want people to know. You know what? But God knows everything that goes through our mind. God knows exactly everything that goes through our mind. And we're going to be judged about that thought life that comes our way. But also, not only our thoughts, but our talking. For by the word, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by the words thou shalt be condemned. Matthew twelve thirty seven. We will be judged as to how we use our words. We'll be justified or condemned by our words. That's a scary thought. How many of you ever said things that you wish you hadn't ever said? Yes. Ain't we all guilty? How many of you ever done things you wish you'd never done? And if you had to do it over again, you'd do it differently. We're all guilty. Every one of us. But why do people have a hard time forgiving people? If you don't have a forgiving heart tonight, you're in trouble with the Lord. You ain't ain't in trouble with your preacher. You ain't in trouble with your friend. You're not in trouble with your, your mate at home. You're in trouble with... God, because He requires us to be forgiving. The thoughts 
the talking, and it leads to the tongue. James chapter James chapter one verse twenty six. If any man among you seem to be religious, at religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Amen. That's the scripture. If we don't control our tongue, then our religion is in vain. Note the sins of the tongue. We can speak about them through Scripture. It speaks of gossip. It speaks of lying. It speaks of slander. It speaks of profanity. It speaks of whispering and blaspheming and complaining and judging. All of those things are going to be judged by God. We're going to have to stand before Him one day. The judgment of our conversation. The judgment of our character. But how about the judgment of our consecration? What are we consecrating to tonight? How are we going to be judged by that? How about our time? I think our our time will be judged. Knowing the importance of time and using it wisely. I believe God's going to judge that. I don't believe He calls us to be slothful when it comes to His work. I don't believe He tells us to be that kind of a Christian. We ought to take that time and we ought to use it wisely for the glory of God, knowing the importance. Think of it this way. We give one-tenth of our income to God if you're obedient unto God, if you follow God, if you believe the Scripture, and if you're saved, you'll give one-tenth of your income to the Lord. Why not give a tenth of your time to God? I figured that up, Josh. 17 hours a week. We'd be given to God if we'd just give Him a tenth of our time. Seventeen hours. I would dare to say there's probably most people that don't give God seventeen minutes. And that's sad tonight. In other words, I'm not talking about coming to church because, you know, everybody expects me to be in the house of God. You know, I'm going to spend an hour and fifteen minutes on Sunday morning. I'm going to spend another hour Sunday night, another hour on Wednesday night. Okay. Got 14 hours to go. What are we going to do? Folks, if you're depending on the preacher to feed you three times a week and you to make it spiritually, you will starve to death. We've got to feed ourselves during the week. We've got to open up that precious Word of God and spend that time wisely that God has given us. He's given us the time. I find myself doing this a lot of times and I bet you have too. You're sitting around the house, there's nothing going on. You sit down at the computer or you pull out your iPad out and you check your email ten times within ten seconds thinking it's going to change. I just ain't got nothing to do. Do, do, do. Then all of a sudden you bring yourself back to reality. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Why am I doing this? And then that's when we ought to get on our knees before God and pray. And ask the Lord, say, Lord, what would you have me to do? I want to spend some time with you, God. I want to take the time and just have fellowship with you. I'm telling you, some of the sweetest fellowship you'll ever have will be when you and and the God of heaven will get aside away from this world in the quiet of the evening and allow Him to speak to you. Some of the best times you'll ever have. God will judge us for our time. But I believe God will judge us by our testimony. Second Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Everyone who calls himself a Christian should leave all the sin that they can and live a different life. Amen. Amen. 
Talk is not enough. God wants all Christians to show what Christ has done for them. I know so many ins and outers and uppers and downers. My Lord, you don't know if they save, lost, backslid, or even in the country sometimes. You know, and that's a sad commentary. That's a sad testimony in the life of an individual today that claims to be a child of God. We belong to the King of Kings. We ought to behave like we belong to the King of Kings. When we belong to the Savior, the Lord of all, we ought to behave like we are one of His. Amen. You know what would always happen when you get out of line and mom and daddy was around you? And you got out of line, you might have got away with some stuff, but some stuff you didn't get away with. You got wore out. Some of them, boy, I'm telling you, they'll make you go out to the bushes and pick your own briar. And pick your own switch. And they'll tell you, don't be bringing me the littlest one on the tree. You bring me a good size one when you get it. And boy, you're picking out your own punishment, huh? And then they tear into you and then you get uh, put a, you know, you get punished some other way. You get whipped and this, that, and the other. Well, I'm here to tell you, God's no different. He whips us. <laughs> you may not see the stripes, but if we looked inside your heart, you'll know and realize that you've been whipped by God before. I'm here to tell you, Christians ought to show what Christ has done by living that testimony. I believe our traits will be judged in this consecration. The Bible says in Acts 4.13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Listen, the people knew that Peter and John had spent time with Christ. They knew that they were unlearned men, but they knew that they were acting differently. They knew that the traits that they had were different than the traits that they began with. And it was because they had spent some time with Christ. And folks, if we spend time with Christ, our traits will be different. We're going to have to stand before Him one day and be judged. Our lives should always show Christ just as Peter and John was showing. Let's look at the judgment of our compassion. I believe that's going to be there as well. What kind of compassion that we, do we need tonight? What about a compassion that stirs? Paul was so filled with compassion for the lost that he could not keep quiet. You know, he couldn't keep quiet. He, but pretty much he said, I can't help but to tell people about Christ. We cannot afford not to tell people about Christ. You may be the very one that will be able to share the gospel message with that one that's died and on their way to hell. You may be the very one that's God going to use to win them to the Lord. We need a compassion that stirs our hearts. We need a compassion that serves. The Christians went everywhere preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 5. You can read about that later on, verse 40 through 42. The Christians went along preaching the gospel of Christ. Everywhere they went, everybody likes vacation, right? Amen. Some of you is blessed to go every other week. <laughs> Some of us is good to go once every three years, amen? But you know what? You know what? Let me ask you a question. Are you the same person while you're on vacation as you are when you're at home? Amen, sister. We should be. 
We should be. Why? Because we serve the same God whether you're at the mountains or the beach. Amen. 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 You serve the same God here as you would across this country of ours in which we live. We serve the same God that Brother Andy Moore is serving down in Brazil as he talked to us this morning. I'm here to tell you folks, we ought to have a compassion that stirs and a compassion that serves. And we ought to have a compassion that surrenders unto God. Our compassions are going to be, are going to be judged. What is your compassion? What is your compassion? What is your passion? Compassion that surrenders. Exodus 32 and 32. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of the book which thou hast written. What kind of compassion is that? What love? Willing to lose his own soul to see his friend saved. God, please save him. God, please do something. If you're not going to save him, God, blot my name out of the book. Whew, compassion. Amen. Compassion. How many times do we lay on our face before God with true tears coming through our, through our eyes asking to God to save that one or asking God to touch that one that's in need of help tonight? Listen, everybody don't have it good. May I say this? Nobody has it good. Nobody has the flair of living in life that everything goes the way they intend. Life sends you curveballs each and every day in which you live. Just a lot of people hide theirs better than others hide theirs. A lot of those people will hide theirs And they'll continue to hide those things in their life. But yet they present to you on the outside that everything's perfect when it's not. Quit fooling yourself. Everybody's not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. Ain't no need to try to be that perfect because you ain't going to make it. Huh? We're not going to make it, Brother Joe. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. Even though everybody thinks my wife's perfect, I'm here to tell you, she ain't perfect. (laughs) No, I want to use that as an example. She's not perfect. None of us are perfect. None of us are perfect. You know, people tell me, we've got a perfect marriage. You just told the biggest fib in your life. What do you mean you got the perfect marriage? Oh, we don't never fuss. We don't never fight. We don't never argue. One preacher used to say, yeah, we never did either, but you could hear us reasoning things out three miles down the road. Huh? Perfect. Is is y'all's relationship perfect? Let's be honest tonight. Nobody's is. Nobody's. Nobody's is. Especially when the honeymoon is over. Huh? Except if you miss Bradley, she honeymooned for six years. Amen. But I'm here to tell you, folks, we're not perfect. We can't pretend to be perfect when you know the truth is that we're not. You'll have things to bother you. There'll be things that be thrown your way that you're not expected. And you'll handle those things differently. And you'll handle them things wrong. And you'll handle some of them right, praise God. But I'm here to tell you, folks, we're not perfect. We need to have that compassion, that passion that surrenders, and that compassion that sacrifices. 
You can read in Galatians chapter 6 where Paul had scars marked on his body because he suffered for the Lord's sake. He suffered for God's sake. None of us have scars in here tonight because we've served the Lord. We may be battle bent. (laughs) We might have been in the biggest valleys of our life. We might have dealt with the biggest problems that have ever come around. But you know what? How many of us have scars? Actual scars. I'm not talking about mental scars. Scars upon my heart, preacher. I'm talking about scars upon your body in which you fought for Christ. Luckily, we're blessed to live in America. We're blessed to live in the good old U.S. of A. Gosh. We can come into a place and worship Him in freedom. We may get talked about. (laughs) We may get shunned. We may get dragged through the mud. But let me ask you something. You do what you do for who? (laughs) You ain't doing it for them. (laughs) You're doing it for God. (laughs) You're doing it for God. And we got to keep that in mind. We're not doing it. You know... Josh blesses my heart when he sings. All of y'all bless my heart when you sing. Lisa blessed me with that song. I love that song. These folks who get up here and sing to you like this, listen, they're not doing it to show. They're not even really doing it for us even though we may ask them to sing. But when you let it back and let it roll like that, you're doing it for the glory of God. Huh? Listen, I'm going to tell you, you couldn't have found no better singing than that down at the auditorium and they're going to charge you 35 bucks to get in here. Huh? It's all right. God uses His people. And when God gives you a talent, I believe you ought to use it. Amen? I believe we ought to live right, but we ought to use that talent. We ought to use that talent. Compassion that sacrifices. I know a lot of people that make a lot of sacrifices today. I'm not talking about the scars. I'm talking about sacrifices of their time. They sacrifice their giving. They sacrifice their love for their family. They sacrifice a lot of things for the glory of God. Amen. They do. I, I, I know evangelists that stay gone week after week after week. And their, their, their wife works at home and they never are together, hardly ever. But you know what that wife does? She's at home and she's on her knees praying for the man of God as he goes Amen. and preaches. Amen. Brother John, that's special. Amen. Amen. That's special when we can have that kind of prayer. Folks, when you think of heaven... I want you to also think of that judgment day. No Christian is going to escape that great day. There will be sorrow, I believe. There will be tears at this judgment. That's why I'm having a problem with where this judgment's actually going to take place. I, don't, I, I need to get with the Pope and ask him, Brother Earl, I need to ask him, the Duke, the Duke of Earl, and ask him, where is this judgment going to take place? I've, I've studied it. I've tried to find it in the Scripture. Where is this judgment going to take place? Because when God judges us for the things that we have done, the things that we have not done, as the Scripture says, we're going to be feeling pretty bad. There's going to be some tears, I do believe, that will be shed. But where does the, we know there's no tears in heaven. Is this judgment going to take outside? Is it going to happen outside the gates? It, where is it going to be? Is it going to be just in space? Where, where's it going to be? You can look that up, and if you find the answer, we'll both know. 
I had a preacher to ask me that question not too long ago, and I tried to do a ton of studying on it and tried to find out where this judgment would be, and I could never come up with a concrete answer. And I come to realize this, Brother Joe, there's some things we'll not know till we get there. Amen. Till we get there. Many Christians will see the many things they could have done for the Lord, but they fail to do. I want to encourage you tonight to do your best every day for God. Then at the judgment, you'll be happy and rewarded by the one that's going to accept you into the kingdom. Amen. Do your very best today. Your very best for Him. Because who knows? We may not make it home <laughs> tonight before God steps out, tells Jesus to step out on the cloud and we receive Listen. <laughs> The shout of heaven comes from, from heaven. Amen. The rapture of the church takes place. The dead in Christ rise first. Those which remain in the Lord be caught up with them in the air. That's going to be a glorious day. Amen. How do we know that it's not going to happen the next two minutes? The next two seconds? That's why we'll live for Him today. Amen. Like there is no tomorrow. I want you to stand, if you would, as they come get us a song of invitation. I hope the message helped you tonight. Folks, we need to keep in mind, we're going to be judged. We're going to be judged. We ought to cry out to God and have Him to search our hearts and to search our souls. Forgive us of our sins and where we've failed Him. Because, my friends, we're going to have to stand before the God of glory. And we're going to have to give account done in this body, out of this body. And, folks, it's going to be a bad time for something. It's probably going to be a sorrowful time for all. But my friend, I've got a God that's full of grace. Full of mercy. And when we failed Him, He's just to forgive us. And say, I'll give you grace. And you'll be able to witness that mercy. And He'll be able to help you. The only way that the God of heaven can do. Father, we love you. Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this time to come to you in prayer. Lord, I myself stand before you wounded many a times. I stand before you, dear God, a failure many a times. I stand before you, God, knowing that one day I'll be judged. Lord, I believe that speaks of everybody here in the sound of my voice. As people begin to move, God, I pray, Lord, that you will just help each and every one tonight. Whatever the need may be, as we just bow and talk to thee. Help us to be better servants. Help us to be better Christians as we live our life every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You come if you've got a need. I promise you we'll pray with you if you've got a need. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Just remember, he's the potter, we're the clay. Mold me and make me. Mold me and make me, Lord. After thy will, while I am Billy Graham once said in this prayer, he said, Lord, take me, break me. And make me what you'd have me to be. Because see, you're not going to be put back on the potter's wheel until you're broken. 
God's not going to use you in a capacity that you think until we come to a place of brokenness. And when we become broken and God begins to pick up those pieces and mold us back together again, we'll come through that refiner's fire better than which we were at the beginning. Take me. Lord, break me. And make me what you'd have me to be. Oh.